Well, for some of us growing up, we listen to different types of like rhymes or different types of songs. Some of them may even, some of you may even call them nursery rhymes. You know, um, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, right? Or the idea of Mary had a little lamb. Some of us remember, and raise your hand if you remember this one. You might be able to even finish it as I start it. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Y'all remember that? And to say that, I think is a terrible lie. I mean, I understand the sentiment. I understand the phrase. It's kind of meant more of like a defense mechanism when someone's verbally bullying you or saying horrible things about you. And you say, six and stones break my bones, but words would never hurt me. But the reality of it is words do hurt. Why do words hurt? Well, because essentially words matter. In fact, not only do they matter, but words are powerful. Words are so strong and powerful that God created things from his words. And we can say that there is a significance to speech. We see this in Genesis chapter 1 where God made the world and he spoke it from his own words. He spoke things into existence. Let there be light and there was light. Let there be and there was When you read Genesis 1, you read that the idea that as he spoke things into existence, things came into be, and it was good, and it was so. This is the pattern that you read, that we read in Genesis chapter 1. When we compare our personal God against the other gods, the other ancient so-called gods, we see and notice that they don't speak things into existence. They don't speak things into reality like our God does. In fact, some of them don't even speak at all. Some of the people of those times had to walk around with these wooden statues, these wooden things, and these were the gods that they were worshiping. But our God speaks, and the powerfulness of words stems from our powerful God that give us words to speak to others. Amen? So if speech is important, then a question we got to ask, how should we speak? And what type of mode should we speak in? What manner, what posture should we speak? And here are two things that I think that the Bible answers. One, with grace. We should speak with grace. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, 29 says... Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. One of our values at the church is to be grace-motivated, which means ultimately because God has been gracious to us, we want to be gracious towards others. And that includes not only our, our actions that we do, but that includes the words that we actually speak. I want to take grace and this idea of speaking of grace as like an overarching idea, all right? Let's use grace as an umbrella because I believe that we should be speaking with grace even if 
we're not directly sharing our faith with others. Did you hear that? We should speak with grace even though sometimes it's not directly telling people about Jesus. Now keep in mind, when we will talk about in a second, speaking does include talking to people about Jesus. That's a very integral part. But we don't always directly speak about Jesus every moment of every day, right? There's other aspects of our lives, other areas of our life that we are in communication, we're in fellowship, we're in relationship with other people. And I would say that those words also needs to be expressed with grace, right? So for instance, when we are at our favorite restaurants, just because your waitress is not necessarily being the best waitress, we don't have the right to actually be rude or be unkind to them, right? Again, we're not directly talking to them about Jesus, but again, our posture, our words should also be seasoned with salt. Or if you're at your local coffee shop, and let's say you're just getting black coffee, right? Because that's the best coffee to get. And let's just say your barista is not necessarily, you know, hooking up the coffee in a timely manner. And let's say you actually have a staff meeting you got to go to. And let's just say it takes about 25 minutes for you to get your coffee. I'm not going to say no names because the coffee is amazing. But if you know, you know. Amen, somebody. <laughs> but we don't have the authority or right to speak to them in rude and unkind ways, right? I have to bring that up because in our culture, I think we have a tendency uh, to speak harshly, to speak rudely, and to, to speak, you know, crass towards other, other people, right? And sometimes this is couched in the idea, well, I'm just speaking the truth. And if I'm speaking the truth, then therefore it doesn't matter. And I would say, no, it does matter whether you're speaking the truth directly or indirectly. The way that we carry ourselves, the way that we act, the way that we move, the way that we live life, people notice and people watch. And if you have the light in you, which according to the Bible, those that are followers of Jesus, they, they do, then your light should be able to shine. And our, word, our lights are being dimmed by the harsh words or even a harsh posture or harsh stance that we take when we're engaging with other people. Here's a quick story of how this played out in real time. Um, this, was, this happened actually recently. So uh, downtown Phoenix, if you don't know, there are some like uh, street evangelists, apparently, that are downtown. And you may have run into them, right? One day I was going to lunch and I was walking and uh, our Jehovah Witnesses friends, they were standing on the corner and they had their pamphlets and had their, their, their literature. And I walked past them and as I walked past, something told me, I felt like, that I should go back and have a conversation with them. And I was really hungry and I didn't want to, but I just felt this, this strong tug that I should. So I went back and started talking to, um, it was a, uh, 
minority. Uh, it was a Hispanic lady and another, uh, and a black, and a black lady. And uh, we were talking, and it was a great conversation. As we were talking, some guy um, comes in, butts into the conversation, and literally says, well, what do you people believe about Jesus? The tone, the posture was completely inappropriate. And for a second, I was like, what do you, you mean by you people? Because it was minorities and he happened just to be a white guy. But then I was like, you talking about minorities or are you talking about Jehovah's Witnesses? Like, which one are you talking about? Um, but I realized he was talking about Jehovah's Witness. So I said, hey, man, like, relax. Like, we're having a conversation here, et cetera. Then he storms off because the Jehovah's Witnesses didn't um, answer the question, answer his question. And, and why would you, right, acting that way? I apologize. I said, I don't know what's up with that guy. He's crazy. Let's get back to our conversation. Five minutes later, dude comes back. And this time, he's even a little bit more uh, irate and a little bit more rude and a little bit more, uh, yeah, just totally inappropriate. And then he goes on to say some derogatory things and all that type of stuff. Then I butt in and I said, hey, brother, listen, you need to chill out for real, for real. Now, in black culture, when someone says for real, for real, that means you need to chill out for real, for real, or something about to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I said, hey, man, like, chill. And he says, don't call me brother. I don't know you. And he says, I'm a Christian minister. True story. Now, in my mind, I'm like, he doesn't know I'm a, <laughs> he doesn't know I'm a pastor. He doesn't know I'm a Christian minister as well. But in that moment, in front of our Jehovah Witness friends, I felt like, why do you have to be a Christian minister? Because the way that you are uh, carrying yourselves, the words that you are speaking is actually very telling. And you claim you have the truth. But the way that you're acting, the way he was acting, uh, just wasn't the case. That's an example of not to speak, all right? Now, I'm not propping myself up or anything like that, I'm not because I, I, I get it wrong sometimes too. But I'm just saying that just was a clear example. I was like, this is not what Roosevelt is talking about. Even if you have the truth, your posture, your tone, the way that you communicate also matters, right? Speaking to... Speaking with grace means we first listen. This is also tied to one of our blessed rhythms, that we listen to them before we try to insert what we believe about whatever. Because it can come across very arrogant. It can come across very cocky. It can come across very rude. And it can come across just not in a way that we really want to have. So we have to be grace-filled. We have to have this posture, and our words have to be seasoned with salt and have to be gracious. Secondly, I would also add that there needs to be a level of wisdom and intentionality that needs to happen. In terms of how we should speak, it's with grace, but it's also with wisdom and intentionality. And I think Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, 
uh, talks a little bit uh, about this. It says, but now you must put them all away. And Paul says, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Obscene talk from your mouth. This takes wisdom and this takes intentionality. And I would also add too, for those that have been saved by Jesus, there was an old way that you used to live. There's an old way that you used to talk. But there's now a new way because you are uh, in the spirit and the spirit is dwelling with inside of you. Paul goes on to talk about that we should put off the old self and put on the new self. And many of us have had obscene speech. Amen? We've had it. But the Lord has changed us from the inside out and now that we are different. And this is the result when God gets a hold of you. And in the moments of speaking, if you ask him, he will give you the words to communicate in a given situation. He will give you wisdom. And there's intentionality that I think that we need to have in regards to that. All right. Now, I want to be pretty clear um, in this because when we think about the blessed rhythm of, of speak in light of all of this, a very specific action, a very specific application is to actually tell people about Jesus. Like, as simple and as crystal clear as I can try to make it, you actually do have to open up your mouth and tell people about Jesus. Now, here's the thing about that. Some people want to give like a, um, like steps, right? Here's five principles, five steps to have a healthy marriage. Five steps, five principles to be able to get rich or whatever, right? When telling people about Jesus, it's not as processed that way. Um, it's not these steps that you have to necessarily do. And sometimes, in some cases, it really is you trusting the Holy Spirit. And he will give you the words and give you the things to say. Some people are afraid. Some people find this to be a challenge. And I would just say that the easiest way is to tell people about your testimony. In other words, tell people how God has changed you. That's simple. John chapter 4 is a very interesting story where we see the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, right? And in that story, it's fascinating because she listens to Jesus. She hears Jesus. Jesus tells her her dirty secrets. But at the end of John chapter 4, the text says she went back to her village. And she told them about Jesus. And it says, many Samaritans believed <laughs> because of the testimony of this, of this woman. I just think that testimonies and sharing your story, how God has changed you, not to be in, get into a theological debate, not to get into these arguments about sometimes silly things, but it's simply just, this is what the Lord has done in my life, and this is why uh, I believe in him. People can't argue with that. 
I mean, they can, they could try, but your personal experience and how God has saved you or have done a miracle in your life is hard for people to, to, to challenge that. So testimony, your testimony. Now, if you're here, and let's say that you're still maybe on your journey, you're on your, you have questions, and maybe you don't have a testimony in this way. Well, my encouragement is simply, and I'm gonna actually call somebody up, and we're gonna talk a little bit about this idea of believing in Jesus and what that means in its entirety. But if you are here, and the Lord has saved you, he didn't just save you for yourself. He saved you on a mission. He saved you so that you could be able to tell others about that. And that is the easiest way I think anyone can literally speak about Jesus. And of course, you can speak about his death, his burial, his resurrection, the second coming, what he's come to do, the restoration of everything. But if we want to be a people that's engaging all people, all of Jesus, then that means at some point we do have to tell people about Christ. Amen. So with that, let me pray. And then I'm going to actually invite uh, Dave Mikesell up and we're going to have an interview and, uh, of some sort regarding speaking. So let me pray real quick. Father, we thank you. We give you all the praise and all the glory. I ask, Lord, that we could be people that are speakers, that we speak your word, that we speak about Jesus, speak about our testimonies and the ways that he has saved us, how he's redeemed us, and how ultimately, ultimately he's coming back to restore. I pray for anyone here that maybe even feel a little fearful when it comes to telling people about Jesus, I pray that they can recognize that we don't have the spirit of fear, that we don't have to fear, but that we can be open, honest, and blunt, and real, and authentic, yet seasoned with salt, yet with graciousness, yet with truth, as we speak to others about, about Jesus. So I pray for this church. I pray for us that we can do this and we can move to do this so that we can engage all people with all of Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm actually bring up Dave Mikesell, and we're going to have a quick, uh, well, a brief uh, um, conversation about this. By the way, I think I'm under 20 minutes. Did I get it right? Did I did? Okay, good, good. I'm going to move this. All right. So, Dave, you want to introduce yourself to the people? Sure. I'm Dave Mikesell. I've uh, been a member here at uh, Roosevelt for about three years. And, Dave, what do you do? I'm on staff with uh, Crew, formerly known as Campus Crusade for Christ, their inner city ministry. Dave is also a community group leader. Shout out to the community group leaders in the building. Uh, some of them not here. Uh, but he's also a community group leader, and him and his wife, and they have a great community group. And the best. That can be debated. Yeah. But it's your personal experience, so no one can challenge you. That's right. That's right. Uh, 
No competition. <laughs> um, well, Dave, I want to ask a couple of questions regarding um, this idea of speak, right? This is obviously a very important uh, practice. Um, so first question for you. Ready? Ready. Speaking is a challenge. Why do you think that is? And what are ways we can overcome that challenge? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And I think if we went around the, the room here, we could all give a different reason why telling people about Jesus is a challenge. Some of it, some of us work from home. <laughs> I don't know a lot of people, right? Uh, some of us feel like we need more training. Some of it is social awkward. There's a hundred reasons why it could be a challenge. <clears throat> um, however, I, I do think maybe the first place it starts is a recognition <clears throat> of how much uh, I personally and we all need Jesus. Mm. You know, uh, when I came to know Christ in uh, January of 1985, um, I desperately needed Jesus. And I forget that sometimes, that Every day I wake up, I need Jesus just as much today as I needed him in 1985. And when I forget that about myself, I also forget that about the people around us. That in my, when I see the needs of my own life and the needs of the people around me, a lot of times I think, oh, that guy needs a job. That guy needs more friends. Uh, that woman needs more financial resources or a better school or a vacation. And all those things may be true, but you know what people really need? They need Jesus. Amen. If I have a deep personal conviction that I need Jesus today, and everybody around me needs Jesus, uh, and, and this is a big and, and that God is at work in everybody's life. Right now, today, people are walking around outside this building. They're going to brunch. They're hanging out with friends. God is speaking to people drawing people to himself in a way that we don't even know. You know, 80% of Americans pray. 80% of Americans pray. That means they have some kind of God consciousness. People are bumping around doing the best thing, best they can in life, asking big questions. Why am I here? Does God love me? Does he care about what I'm going through? And very few people are, are initiating with them and saying, hey, this is what God's done in my life, right? Personal testimony. And I'd love to introduce you to this guy that's transformed my life. And that's good, man. Um, one thing as well, you're from Minnesota. Colorado originally, but 25 years in Minnesota. So I'm still thawing out three years later. Yeah. yeah I was going to say because Minnesota is very cold there. So a lot of people need Jesus in Minnesota. <laughs> you know. But you came to Arizona where it's hot, so. That's right. We still need Jesus here, too. Amen. Uh, second question I have is, uh, in our culture, speaking harsh and rude, um, sadly, are characterized by Christians, or people that profess to be Christians. Can you share or speak of stories or ways in how Christians speak with grace and intentionality? Maybe a story from your life, maybe a story that you've heard from others. Um, I think it's sad that that's the case. Christians almost have this... Um, that's what almost like the first thing that some people actually think about with Christians. Anything you could say about that? Yeah, and I, I think your story uh, really illustrates that. Unfortunately, I bet we could go around the room and we would all have a story of someone that we know who handled a situation like that, or maybe it's even uh, yourself, myself. Um, 
I think it's the minority of Christians, honestly. I think most of us are trying to love God and trying to love people, and very few of us would approach a Jehovah's Witness stand and, like, put the guy on blast. Some of us would never even think about doing it, right? Um, and, you know, I can't look in everybody's heart. Why did, why did that guy come into the Jehovah's Witness thing and, like, blow him up? I, I don't honestly know. When I look at my own life and the times that I've been, I don't know if I've ever put anybody on blast like that, but I've been insensitive at different times as I've tried to initiate with people. And um, when I look at my own life, when I've said things and I've done things that didn't properly reflect Jesus, even though I was trying to tell people about Jesus, it was really a reflection of my own heart and my own, um, self, frankly, just self-righteousness, my own legalization, my own... Uh, desire and belief that I am better than everybody else because I'm a Christian, which is so backwards. It's so upside down, <laughs> right? It, the more I recognize, the more I, I understand that I am, I am a child of God, and I'm the only reason why I'm here is because Jesus has called me to himself. The only reason why I'm here is that he paid the penalty of sin and death and drew me to himself. It is in the process of transforming me. For me to take any credit in that is nuts. It's bizarre. And when we do that, we, we have the self-righteous view uh, of ourselves, and we begin to look down at people, and that comes across. When we have a humble understanding of who we are in, in position to God and to others, there's no way you're going to pe put people on blast because you understand that I am here only by grace. I am here only because by some amazing thing God just said, boom, you, you're over here, you're with me. That is, that is mind-blowing. <clears throat> uh, the other thing I'll say is sometimes we have an upside-down view of evangelism when we talk to people about Jesus. We want people to get their act together before they come to Jesus. We want the alcoholic to stop drinking. We want the drug addict to stop using. We want uh, name a sin, right? And that's backwards. That's not, how, that's not what God has called us to do. God has called us and what, uh, is to tell people about Jesus, and he will do the work, just like he is in my life. He will do the work of transforming people. That's not up to me. My, my job is just to point people to Jesus and let him do the work, just like he's doing it in my life. Um, and the last thing I'll say about this, and I'll share a quick story, uh, is I, I think, sadly, the, the decision that most people have made because of the bad rep that Christians have had is they've just decided not to speak. Is we can really embrace the, the blessed rhythms, and I love the blessed rhythms. We can bless other people. We can listen. We can eat. And because we want to be good Christians and we want to, be, and we want to kind of undo the bad rep that we have, <clears throat> we just kind of leave it there. And we kind of want to be seen as just nice people and forget <laughs> And forget the fact that God has called us to boldly proclaim at the earliest opportunity with grace and truth and love and understanding our position in Christ, boldly proclaim Jesus at the earliest opportunity. He is the one who changes lives. He is the one who's changed my life. And to see somebody come to know Jesus and, for, uh, and to watch Jesus change people from the inside out is one of the most amazing things <clears throat> that any of us can get to see happen. I'll close with a... A story, a friend of mine uh, who lives in, in Denver, went to college with them. They moved into the Five Points area of, of Denver to live missionally, to live intentionally. 
And they moved into this um, just acute, you know, Victorian neighborhood and uh, Victorian era neighborhood and uh, moved in and got to know their neighbors. They're being very intentional about getting to know their neighbors. And uh, they're, as you face their house, I picture the house, as you face their house, the house to the left, uh, a lesbian woman was living in there. And um, as Greg and Karen got to know her, um, she found out that they were Christians. And she had a, a, a habit of calling her dad every week. And so she got on the phone and talking to her dad. And she goes, Dad, guess what? You know, the house next door finally, uh, finally got sold and a new couple moved in. And I've got terrible news. And he was like, what? He's like, they're Christians. And her dad said, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. And uh, Greg and Karen do what Greg and Karen do, and they basically were living out the blessed rhythms, right? They were looking for opportunities to bless her uh, and the other neighbors. They listened. They had her over for meals, and they shared the gospel. They spoke with her over the course of the next couple of years. And, uh, and a regular phone call with her dad. Her dad asked one time, said, hey, what happened to your, your Christian neighbors? How's that going? And she goes, oh, dad, you don't have to worry. They're the kind of Christians that love Jesus. To me, that is what the blessed rhythm is all about. That is what God has called us to do and be. That's good, man. That's an amazing story. Um, man, thanks for doing that and sharing that. That's really helpful. Um, what we want to do is uh, I'm actually have you pray uh, to close this out. Uh, one thing about Dave, as well as a um, community group leader, he's also a server. He's a servant, and he's actually going to pray and then leave and go cook some bar uh, burgers burger. at Grant Park. So <laughs> Pray I don't get anybody E. coli. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, with that, let me... <laughs> Well, with that, um, because these things are missional practices, these are things that we need to, you know, we want to do, right? They're imperative. My encouragement this week, my challenge this week, is for you to find one person as the Spirit leads to share Jesus with. The testimony, build, you know, many of us already have uh, areas and, and, and contexts that we are in where we can, where we could do that, you know. The gym, the grocery store, the coffee shop, your school, your coworker, um, whatever, your family, oh, your family, amen. Um, so, anyways, find somebody that we can that you can share Jesus with. You want to close this out, Pastor? Yes, sir. Uh, God, why have you called us to yourself? I don't know. You called us friends. You call us co-heirs. Uh, you call, her, call us brothers and sisters, and because only by your good grace are we in this room. Only by this good grace uh, that can you, your good grace, uh, do you call us these things. Lord, would you, uh, as, as John has said, would you embolden us to boldly in love and grace minister to those around us by speaking the good news that Jesus uh, was born, lived a sinless life, was crucified on a, on a horrible cross because our sin was so great and yet rose again from the dead. Something we'll celebrate in just two weeks, Lord. God, would you do amazing and abundant things as we walk in obedience to you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.